Genesis chapter 37, verse 9. But Joseph dreams still another dream. Joseph dreams still another dream. I want to talk from this subject, dream again tonight, dream again. And what I want to, I want to do a few things. Number one, um, there's people who have never really even thought about having a dream for their life, a vision for their life. I want to talk to you. Others of you, you need to dream again. You need to, just like Joseph, you need a second dream. And for others of you, this is a, another interesting part of Joseph's life. The Bible said towards the end of his life that he remembered his dream. So some of you, maybe you've forgotten your dream. You've forgotten your purpose, your, your vision, what, what you're called to. And I want to remind you of that today. So we've been in this series, Dream Big, Start Small. It's been, um, it's really just been start small, okay, for three weeks. I did multiply. I did missing manna. I did drought uh, breakers. All of that was just very much starting small. Today we're going to dream big, okay? We're going to talk about dreaming big. And I really do believe God wants to, to talk to us today. Um, I just want to make a few little statements before I pray. Number one, this is not like pop psychology or, or motivational. Like this is all going to be very scriptural. It may not sound religious, but it's all from the Bible, okay? God is a good God who has a good plan for your life. Okay. Just quiet that quick today. God is a good God who has a good plan for his kids. Period. Any parents in the house? Okay, you have a good plan for your children. You have something, and even if you're not a parent, instinctively, you want to, you want to do good for your children. Okay, well, God wants to do good for us, and he, he releases that through dreams and visions. I'm not talking about what you do when you go to sleep at night. I'm talking about when he gives you a picture of your future. And so, again, this might not all sound super religious, but I promise you it's all in the Bible, and it's really going to help your life tonight. I want to talk about dream again. Look at your neighbor say, dream again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Father, speak to us now in Jesus' name and help the Raiders, Lord. We want a Super Bowl. Amen? Amen. Yes. Why you laugh at that, man? I'm serious. Trying to help this economy. Come on, somebody. Okay, okay, okay. It is amazing how when you talk to kids, you'll, you'll ask little children, what do, you, what do you want to be when you grow up? I remember asking a little boy one time, hey, buddy, what do you, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he looked at me and said, I want to be a fire truck. Yes. Kind of like that, fire truck. I said, you want to be like a fireman, like a firefighter? He said, no, I want to be the truck. I'm going to be a transformer <laughs> that puts out the fires. I said, yes, okay, yes, sir, yes, that's what you're going to do. I had another little boy one time I was preaching, and after preaching, I went to the, kind of the little back room, and the pastor's son walked in. And he said, Javen, I'm green. I said, like, that's your name? He said, no, like the color, I'm green. And I said, like, right now? He said, yeah. I said, why are you green? He said, because I'm a ninja turtle. And then he punched me. <laughs> and his parents laughed just like y'all just laughed. I'm like, okay, we're laughing, I guess, at this. Okay. Um, I got a little five-year-old daughter. Uh, her future uh, is going to be, this is according to Goldie, I'm going to be a ballerina a baker, and a pastor. To turn up. Now, it's amazing. Now, she already thinks she works for the church. This is what's phenomenal. She goes, Dad, I, I, you know, I work for the church, right? And I said, yeah, yeah, bet. Yes, you do. You do work for the church. So, so today she was in kids, and she really liked her teacher. So she went into her little, little backpack and pulled out a penny and said, I just want to thank you for serving the church. And, 
I don't know if I'm proud. I don't know if I'm embarrassed. I don't know if I'm, is it cute? Is it weird? I don't know, but so, uh, so she thinks she works for the church, so that's good. So, so that's how we're born. Pablo Picasso said that every person and every child is born an artist. The problem is how do we remain an artist once we grow up? And I, I, think, that is, I think that is the key, that we, we're, we're born an artist, we're born dreamers, but then we, we end up losing that. Um, life has a way of stripping our creativity, discouraging risk, teaching us to fear, telling us to be realistic. You just, it doesn't happen overnight. You just start going, man, I guess that's not realistic. I guess that will never happen. But, but I want to remind you of what happens when you invite God into your life and when the Holy Spirit starts moving in your life. It's Acts chapter 2, verse 17, that in the last days, God says this. So I, I didn't say this. Um, Tony Robbins didn't say this. Joel Osteen didn't say this. Oprah didn't say this. Uh, God says this. I will pour out my spirit on all people. And when I do that, here's the first thing that's going to happen. When the spirit of God starts moving in your life, you will prophesy. You will see visions and you will dream dreams. Okay, you'll prophesy. That means you'll begin to talk future talk. You'll start giving language to your future. You're going to have visions. That means you're going to be able to see your future. And you're going to dream dreams. That means you're going to have a holy imagination, a holy picture, a holy imagination about your future. So if you, don't, if you don't have vision right now, if you don't have dreams right now, if you don't have a, a prophetic tone about your future, you need the Holy Spirit. And I'll, I'll tell you how you know you're lacking the Holy Spirit. All you, all you can do is think about your past, talk about your past, and look back at your past. You need a move of God because God will always point you away from your past, and he'll always point you into what's next, and he'll get you talking about it. He'll get, you, he'll get you looking at it. He'll get you looking towards it. And he'll even give you a picture of what it could be. This is what the Holy Spirit does for us. God is a God of dreams and visions. So David Cho, who pastored the largest church in the world before he went to heaven, a, 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 about Acts chapter 2 said this, dreams and, vision are, dreams and visions are the language of the Holy Spirit. That when God speaks to you, he speaks to you in pictures rarely, rarely, rarely will someone hear the audible voice of God. I never have. And, and I don't really ever expect to because it's so rare. That's not usually how God, God usually speaks in the New Testament by dreams and visions. He gives you a picture. He gives you an idea. He gives you an image of what could be, not with these eyes, but in your spirit. So what's a God dream? What, is it, what does a dream look like when the Holy Spirit releases a dream? A dream is a picture of what could be. And a picture of what should be. So let's just pause. Picture of what could be. What could be for your life? What should be for your life? I'm, I'm not talking about, you know, most people today, if you say, what's your dream or what do you want to be? They just go, I want to be famous. No, that's not what I'm, I'm not. I'm talking about what could be. What should be. How could you bring the life of God and the goodness of God and the love of God to the earth? What could be? What should be? And then, and then how does that play out? I use my gifts and I use my desires and I use my talents and I use my abilities. I use my talent, I use my treasure. I use my gifting. I use everything that I have, not only to bless my life, though it will, but also more importantly, to expand God's kingdom. So I have this vision of what could be and I have this vision of what 
should be, and now I'm going to use everything God has entrusted me with to not only be a blessing to my family, absolutely that, not only to bless my life, of course that, but to expand the kingdom of God. In other words, I give everything that God's given me, I give it a kingdom purpose. So this is more than a goal. This is more than a plan, even though you're going to need that. Because here's what I've learned. Most dreams die in practicality. What, what I mean by that is that you, you start getting too practical that you lose that picture. So, so people start saying things like, well, how? How are you going to do it? How? Well, I don't know. God didn't tell me how. He just showed me what. He showed me what is possible and he showed me who I'll impact, but he didn't show me how. And if I get too stuck on the how, I'm going to lose faith for what could be. Uh, I, I'm going to talk a lot about this guy tonight because I'm so inspired. But this week I hung with Craig Rochelle, who pastors the largest church in America. Uh, 90,000 people will worship today at his churches called Life Church. Before they even think about a second location, he says, we maximize our first location first. I said, what does that mean? He said, well, we, we make sure it's full before we start another location. I said, what's full? He said, nine services. Can I get anybody with faith? You're too nervous, Nikki. Look at you all. You're like, oh, Father, bless him, Lord. You mean I need a little more faith. How? Don't, don't get, don't die in the practicality. So he said, so we met, so he said, I see pastors who have two services and they start a second location. He goes, I don't get it. He goes, that's too expensive. We maximize the first location first. So, so he, he said, we took over one church that sat 400 people, not much more than we have here. He sat 400 people and they said they had outgrown it because they were doing a service and it had filled up. So they sold it to us. They sold the church building to us. He said, we took that campus that maxed at 400 with, with them to 4,500 people on a weekend. Because we went from one service to nine services. How? No, who can we reach? What's possible with something small? And my whole staff is sweating, but I'm going to keep preaching because I feel the anointing. Okay. Okay, so, so I want you to wrestle with this question. Not, not only what do you need to do, but what do you want to do? And what do you love to do? Think about that. Some of you haven't thought about that in a long time. So there's things we need to do. We got to work. We got to pay the bills. We got it. But what do you want to do? And what do you love to do? Because you need to start fighting for that in your life. You should not spend your entire adult life hating your life, working for other people's dreams. And I say that as an employer. I'm not nervous saying that. Because two things. I want to, first of all, release my employees to dream. But I also don't want to limit them from their dream. Number one, it's not too late. Remember this, it's not too late. You got to know this today, it's not too late. Because the devil's screaming at you saying it's too late. Made too many mistakes. Too old. Too far gone. This is for everybody else. Nope. There's more for you. There's hope for you. There is a God who knows you by name and is calling you into your dream. It's not too late. Can I get an amen, somebody? It is not too late. 
Look, look, what, look, look what God says there in Acts chapter 2, verse 17. <clears throat> the old men will dream dreams. Old. Old men. So here's the question. What's old? Old is not a number. Old is a mentality. Old is the feeling you get when you believe the lie that your best days are behind you. Old is the mentality that my past is better than my future will be. Old is a spirit that says my best days and my blessed days are behind me. And when you start getting old here, you need the Holy Spirit. And I'm talking to 20-year-olds who are old. Y'all ever met an old 20-year-old? They're 20, already tired and crusty. And uh, <laughs> How are you tired? You're tw- you are 19, girl. Just, uh, and, you'll meet, and you'll meet a 60-year-old that's young. Because <laughs> it, it's a mentality. Uh, again, I, I just want to go back to, to Pastor Craig now. I spent a few days with him this week. And here's, here's what's amazing. He's 55. And at 55, he's so young. And he's not young because of how he dresses or because he gets Botox or dyes his hair because he doesn't do any of that. He's young because his mind is young. I know guys who will dye their hair jet black and do their face and wear tight jeans and they're still old because it's, it's an attitude. Craig is, has a young spirit. So at 55, he's taking up jujitsu. He's a blue belt, jujitsu. I'm like, what? <laughs> and he's taking up flying. He's, he's getting flying lessons to get his pilot's license at 55. I said, why? He said, it, I, it, gets, it gets my mind off ministry because when you're landing a plane, you can't think about church budgets. You got to land the plane or you'll die. I said, I like that. I said, why jujitsu? He said, because you're thinking about not getting choked out. You're not thinking about the people you got to hire and fire and move. And I said, I love this. He said, it keeps my mind fresh. It keeps me, keeps me young. Uh, someone asked him, we were at this little round table, and someone said, well, what are you thinking about your 55? What do you think about transition? He went, transition? Retirement? I'm only 55. And the guy went, blah, blah, yeah, blah, I mean, uh, I'm not thinking about transition and retirement. I'm only 55. Just think about how he, he because when the, when the Spirit of God comes upon you, you start thinking about the future. You're not thinking about 55, well, I guess it's time to slow down. No, you're actually thinking about. And, and let, me, let me just talk to all of you youngins real quick. There is a, uh, there's a lot of people that are, that are trying to sell you on freedom. And so you want to be an entrepreneur to be free. And um, you're too young to be free. You need to be working hard right now. You can be an entrepreneur, but you're like what they're selling you on is retirement. You don't get to do that at 25. You wouldn't even want to. Does that make, I hope I'm making sense. And, and with the rise of, of just entrepreneurship in general, with the rise of, of uh, like great companies that are not bad companies, but like multi-level companies, they try to, what they're selling you on is the freedom of your schedule. That is, that is not your season right now. You're too young to be in that season. You need to be grinding right now. 
So I just, I want to, they're selling you on something that sounds attractive, but it's not going to help you gain wealth. And I'm just talking to my young service right now. So if you're going to be an entrepreneur, fine. But if you think you're going to be an entrepreneur so you have freedom because it's going to be easier, it's not going to be easier. It's going to be way harder. And if you're willing to put in the work, put in the work. But don't, don't try to become an entrepreneur, work for yourself so that somehow you think you're going to have more freedom. That's retirement. One day you will retire. And retirement, by the way, isn't the end of work. It's just now you get to choose your work. But you don't do that at 30. At 30, you grind. At 30, you work. There are things that Shannon and I do right now at our age that we're, we're just, we're still grinding right now. We're still hustling right now. We're still in it right now. We can't just make the staff do it. We're not there yet. So I just, I just felt led to say this to my young people real quick as it's getting quiet and nervous right now. I hope, I hope you're not trying to build a career based around freedom so you can go on vacations because who cares about vacations? You need to be creating wealth for future generations right now. I'm not saying you can't do that as an entrepreneur. I'm just saying I hope your mentality is right. You shouldn't be thinking about retirement. You're too young to be thinking about retirement. You need to be thinking about how can I work 10, 12 hours a day and grind and change my life and change future generations. Thanks for... Thanks for your faith, okay? So, because I, I think we think of dreaming and we think that means my dream is not to work. No, dream. <laughs> work is a gift from God. Work gives you pride. Work gives you self-confidence. Work gives you a sense of accomplishment. You don't want to get out of work. You want to work harder than ever. It's actually going to make you feel better about yourself and about your life. Okay. I'll, now let me speak to another group because I just talked to the young people. Let me talk to older people. Seasoned. <laughs> Aged like a fine wine. <laughs> I, I, wanna, I, felt, I felt led to say this all day today. And if the devil has lied to you about this, I just felt I needed to break this lie. You are not too old for this church. You're just not too old for this church. I just need you to know. You might be in your 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, whatever it may be, and you come in here and you just you kind of look around. There's a lot of young people around. And the music's really loud and the lights are kind of crazy and there's a lot of energy up here. We're doing this weird dance thing and you're just like, ah, I don't know. We need you. And, and you know what? And you probably need this. Because at 60, you probably don't need to go to a church just full of 60-year-olds. It's good for you to see children worshiping and young people worshiping and young adults in the presence of... It, this is good for you. But, but to go to a church like this, if you're a little older, it's going to require conviction over comfort. But I just want to tell you, I, I want you here. I need you here. We're not trying to just build a youth church or a young church. We're, we're trying to build a church for everybody, but... We are more loyal and we are more committed to the future than to the past. And that means even for someone like me at 38, I don't always love everything we do. It can feel a little young for me, feel a little loud for me. The lights can feel a little crazy for me. 
but I'm so committed to the 18-year-old walking in, not because I'm trying to be young or trying to be cool, but because I know that 80% of people that come to Christ in America will come to Christ before they're 18 years old. So I'm just radically committed to the 80%. And I also know that most people that get saved on a Sunday here, most of them had some kind of spiritual God, Jesus experience as a kid, and now they're coming back to their faith. So I'm just radically committed to that. So I don't, know, I don't really listen to this music. You can ask my wife. I listen to, it's called Southern Gospel. You don't even know what that is. It's not black gospel, it's southern gospel. It's the Gaither vocal band. You don't even know about the Gaithers. I listen to guys like Michael English and the Crab family and the Crab family. Y'all don't know about the Crab family. And the Isaacs. And you don't even know what I'm talking about right now. I listen to hymns. I listen, that, I listen to uh, Phillips, Craig, and Dean. You don't even know that name. You don't even know where I'm talking about right now. Okay. I listen to, so I don't even listen to this, but I, but we sing, we can't sing the music I like here because no one would come. (laughs) So we got to sing music that you would like. I try to use some humor and energy because I, because I'm so radical and, and for anyone who feels a little older or feels like I'm too old for this church. No, no, no. We desperately we need your wisdom we need your prayers we need your insight we need your gifting we need your love we need your experience give me an amen everybody all right i just i just want to make sure that's it's in your heart today okay so what's in your heart let me ask this what's in your heart what do you want to do what would you do man listen to me what would you do if you know you couldn't fail What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? What? You need, you need to answer that. Not out loud, not right now, but you need to wrestle with that. Six years ago, I, I heard that question. And six years ago, I said, I'd plant a church. That's what I'd do. That's what I would do. And in May of 2016, my wife and I were here. And the Holy Spirit so clearly spoke to me. I never forget it. We're driving into town. The song on the radio is called Behold by Hillsong. And I knew this is home. That weekend I went home, met with my pastor, Pastor Jensen Franklin. I said, I believe God spoke to me. He said, are you sure? I said, I think. You have a word from God? I think. He said, that's probably all you're going to get. So on a Holy Ghost, I think... He said, let's do it. One year later, we moved here because he asked me. He said, well, you, can you stay one more year and help me build church before you leave? I said, done. I said, two years, three years, whatever you tell me to do, I'm submitted to you. He said, just give me one more year. So we did. Stayed one more year. July of 2017, June of 2017, we moved here. February 2018, we started the church. I, and, I, and I started by answering a question. What would I do if I knew I couldn't fail? I said, I'd start a church. I'd reach a city that I love. What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? I'm not saying you have to act on that today, but I am saying you need to, you need to try to answer that on some level. Man, I'd start that business. I'd go back to school. I'd, I'd try out for, for that. I'd, I'd get that license. I'd try to start a career in that, whatever it is. 
What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? There's, there's probably a God factor in that. Well, Brother Jabin, I don't know if God really like, cares about my desires. Of course he does. Of course he does. He's our father. Of course he does. Look what Jesus said to pray in Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire. Desire, not need, desire. Hello, not need, desire when you pray. I talk to Goldie about her needs about three times a day. She wakes up some point in the morning. She goes, I'm hungry. And I give her breakfast. A couple hours later, I'm hungry. We give her lunch. That evening, I'm hungry. We give her dinner. We talk about needs three times a day. But all through the day, we talk and we dream and we converse and we dance and we laugh and we swim and we go and we eat and we most of our relationship is not about needs. Most of our relationship is about desire. Yeah, that's good. Good. Are y'all tracking with me? Yes. You, you got to build that relationship with God where you're actually talking to him about his desire, about your desires. Uh, yesterday, I was, on, I was praying. I was talking to God, and I said, God, I don't know if this is your will. I don't know. But here's what I desire. And I told God what I wanted. And I said, God, if it's, if it's your will, great. If it's not your will, I trust you. But here's what I'm believing for. Here's what I desire. Because he's my father. And I believe he wants to hear what I desire. I don't know exactly what's going to happen with that specific prayer. But I, I was letting God know the dream, the desire, the vision that's in my heart. And now I'm trusting him. So what do you love to do? What are you passionate about? What, what do you love to do that you need to do more of in your life? And hey, what do you love to do that you might be able to start creating income doing? Okay, before I was the world traveling worship leader and preacher, I was a guitar teacher. I loved guitar. I was good at guitar, but it was more than a hobby. I started making it a career and I started teaching guitar. Here's a G chord. Here's a C chord. Here's a D chord. Here's an E minor. And I started teaching music. And then I started leading worship. And then I started getting invited to lead worship. And then I started preaching. And then I started getting invited to preaching. It started with teaching guitar. It was a side hustle that has turned into a pretty amazing life for me. What, what, what is in an infancy stage right now that you could start working on? Am I helping anybody? Yes. See, I, it, it, I, don't know if you, I don't know if you're quiet because you're so just inspired that you're speechless. But I just, I just really want to tell you, this is really, this is how God works. God works with our desires. He does. He just does. So you got you to listen for that. All right, all right. Number two, it must stretch your faith. The God dream must stretch your faith. Why? Because the God dream is born in the Holy Spirit. So if the Holy Spirit's the one who gives us dreams and visions, that means that a God dream is going to have to be God sustained. Okay. God will not give you a life where he is unnecessary. <laughs> so, that, so the life the Holy Spirit has for you is going to put a demand on your faith to believe him. So here's what I say about a dream. Here's what I say about a God dream. Maybe write this one down. A dream will both stretch your faith and give you hope. Watch this. 
a dream will both, it'll stretch your faith for right now, but it will give you hope for the future simultaneously. So when, as I'm, as I'm getting my dream and my vision and my purpose from God, it's, it's like, whoa, I need more faith. But it's also exciting because it's giving me a picture of what could be in my future. So it's building my faith now, but it's also enlarging my hope for tomorrow. And I'm, and I'm living in that kind of tension of like, boy, I see where God's taking me. I got to level up my faith right now. Ooh, that happened for me this week. I'm, I was hanging out with these pastors and I, all I could do is simultaneously, I'm thinking about where God's taking us as a church and immediately I'm going, I need more faith. I got to grow up. I got to level up. I need to need a, I need to eat another salad. I got to go on. I need to work out. I need to read more Bible. I need to pray in tongues more. I need to, I need to study more. I need to read more. I just gotta, I gotta level up because the, the, the hope that the dream is releasing is also putting a demand on faith right now. Are you listening to me? Okay. So let's just go to Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision. This, this word vision could be better transliterated, prophetic understanding, prophetic insight, a prophetic picture. One, one translation said, if you don't know what God is doing, so the vision is the future picture of where God's taking you. If, if you don't have vision, here's what happens, you perish. Now this word perish is the word to lose control or lose restraint. You lose control, self-control, you lose restraint because you no longer have a vision for where you're going. You'll actually see this a lot with people that, that used to work at churches. They leave their place of employment and you just see them lose control. Because they never really had a, a vision for their own life, they just had a vision for the church. Therefore, they, they, they no longer work at a church and you just see them go crazy and you go, what the heck just happened? Well, it's because they didn't have a vision. They were just serving a vision. So you got to have a vision. All right. Where there is no vision, so you have to have a picture. And the clearer your vision, the more restraint or self-control you'll be able to have. Because you can say no to the temptation now because of where you know you're going. The murkier, the cloudier, the darker, the, the, the less clear the vision is, the more tempting all of this becomes. So I, I got to talk to men first. We're, we're all the gentlemen, men, 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 men of God. Okay, I'm going to talk to ladies in a second. Let me talk to the men really quick. Fellas, this is why you have to have a vision. Because men are completely moved by sight. We're visual. So we walk through the mall and that woman walks by and we go, ay, 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 ay. And everyone's like, oh, that's not true. Yes, it is. So you have to have a vision that's stronger than your sight. But we're, but we're not just visually, sexually, even though we are, we're visual on every end. We want the newest bling, we want the newest this, we want the newest that. We want to stun on this, we need the newest shoes, we need the latest this, we need the latest that. Because we're visual. And what we'll end up doing is we'll end up building a whole life around sight. 
around pleasure and around looks instead of vision. Okay, so my vision has to be stronger than the temptation. The vision of my future has to be stronger than, than whatever the temptation. It could be sex, it could be lust, it could be food, it could be alcohol, it could be drugs, it could be gambling, it could be greed, it could be pride, it could be anger. I can't give into this and I'm judging what I could do now and I'm judging it by the vision of where God's taking me and this doesn't compare. So I'm a man, so I get angry and I'm driving and I get angry at people and I want to curse. I'm just telling you the truth. I know you are like heartbroken right now and I want to yell and I want to flip off and I want, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why? Why aren't you looking? Why won't you look? With, why won't you use them linker? We're like worship music cranking, right? And you know what? In today's world, let me just talk to the men really quick. Well, and ladies too, because y'all got attitudes too. In today's world, you can't do that anymore. Because people will shoot you. People will drive you off the road. People will follow you home. So you know what you do when they put? You just, <laughs> praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Because I got a vision for my future, and it's not worth a little road rage incident. That's just one of my temptations. I keep going. I got another one right now. You know, I'm on this little journey. I'm on my little health journey. 30 down, 50 to go. Turn up, let's go. So don't, don't clap too much because I got, I got a lot of weight to lose. So for me, like last night I ate, um, we, we called them tacos, but they were lettuce wraps. Just tell yourself it's a tortilla. It's not a tortilla. It's not, and especially if you're Mexican, it's not a tortilla. It's lettuce. But I'm eating it because I know where I'm going. And, and all of a sudden, the double-double isn't as tempting. Not because I don't love it. I love it. I just, I, but I know where God's taking me. And I cannot live on double-doubles alone, amen, to get to where God's taking me. So I have to make decisions now that are painful because of where I want to go. Right? That's just in your health. We could, talk, we could talk sex. We could talk drugs. We could talk pleasure. We could talk gambling. Whatever it might be where you're t- you, you want to do it, but if you have a vision, the vision gives you the restraint to say, I understand that I want this now, but I don't want it nearly as much as the vision God's put in front of me. Give me a good Holy Ghost amen right there, okay? Wow. So, so this is, it's gonna, it's gonna stretch your faith though. And most people mess up their lives because of a lack of vision. Not because they don't believe the Bible, not because they don't pray, not because they don't love Jesus or go to church. They don't have a vision strong enough to pull them through challenging or tempting seasons. Okay, lastly, your vision must be about the kingdom. It's, it's got to be connected to kingdom purpose. 
And, and everything I'm about to say, if you feel like I'm selling this towards City Light, I'm really not, okay? If, if this is your church, and I'm, I believe I'm preaching mostly to our church people, then definitely there's, there's a call here, but I'm not, I'm not just, I didn't preach all this to just get to this point. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to tell you as a believer in Jesus Christ, whether you come to City Light or anywhere else, you must connect your dream and your vision to the kingdom of God. That's a, that's a God dream. There must be a, a God factor, okay? And that, that vision and dream, it has, to, it has to connect to two things. First, it has to connect to the house of God. Secondly, it has to connect to the next generation, okay? And you're like, I am the next generation. I'm 19. No, whoever's coming next, future, okay? Does this make sense so far? Okay, so the dream is not just to succeed. The dream is to succeed at what matters. The dream is not to look successful or be famous or go viral. The dream is to succeed at what matters. Does that make sense? Okay, so let's, let's look at a few of these. When Joseph dreamed, it was so the people could be spared from famine. When Solomon dreamed, it was to lead the people well. And when Jacob dreamed, it was to build God a house. The dream did not end with them. The dream flowed through them. So your dream can't just be all about you. Your dream has to go through you. How does my dream affect my world? How does my vision affect my world? How does my passion affect my world? How does the gifts, talents, and abilities that God's given me affect those around me? It can't just end with me or just making me better or making me whatever. It's got to flow through me. This is, this is a God dream. It must be connected to the kingdom of God. And I think as, as believers, especially here in the West, we, we kind of come to church and watch the performer. We watch the preacher. We've got Christian celebrities. We watch our favorite worship groups. We watch our favorite Christian artists. And, and so we, we, we've made this like very, very, very sacred. And, and it is sacred. But we no longer see our lives. And we no longer see what we do as sacred. And you have to see what you do as sacred. In other words, you're not doing something secular Monday through Saturday. And then on Sunday you go to church. No, every day is sacred. Because every day you can be sharing your faith. Every day you can be salt and light. Every day you can tell your testimony. Every day you can pray. Every day you can encourage people. Every day you can love people. And you can use who you are to help build the kingdom of God. All right, so I want to talk house of God, next generation. Here's house of God. Let me have Zach come up. I got to wrap it up. This is what Paul says about the church in Philippi. This is Philippians chapter 4, verse 15. As you know, you Philippians... You are the only ones who gave me financial help when I brought you the good news. Only you. You're the only ones who partnered with me financially. No other church did this. Wow. I mean, you just think about the scriptures. You've got Ephesus, Ephesians, you've got Corinth, Corinthians, you've got Thessalonica, the Thessalonians. You got Ephesus, Ephesians, you got, you got Coloss, the Colossians, 
You got Galatia, Galatians. You got all these other churches that didn't help Paul. Paul said, only one church helped me. I want to be a part of that one church that's part of the kingdom. Here's what Paul was saying. You connected who you were and what you did to the kingdom of God. No other church was able to connect those two, but you were able to connect those two. Can that be us? Can that be, I want you to succeed. I want you to dream. I want you to kill it. I want you to, I want you to have the best life. I want all that for you, but just don't forget the kingdom. And, and God actually promises this in, um, in Deuteronomy chapter eight, he says, uh, he says to the people of Israel, he says, hey guys, whenever I bless you, whenever I bring you into the promised land, do not forget the Lord. And then he gives us this little thing in Deuteronomy eight. For it is the Lord who gives you the power to get wealth. Here's, here's what he's saying. When, when you do get blessed, when you do step into your dream, when you do walk in what God has for you, God says, don't forget about me. Because I'm the one who helped you. And you see so many people, man. They, they're believing God for miracles. They're believing. And then when God finally does something in their life, they, they prayed for a car. Now they can't give anyone a ride. And... They prayed for a house, and now they can't open their house to a small group. They prayed for a job with flexible hours, and now they can't serve on a Sunday because it's their day because they need to. I'm like, I don't know, man. Don't forget the Lord, man. It was a thunderous golf clap. I really appreciate it. Okay. So, so it, it's got to affect the house of God. Here, here's the next one. It's got to affect the next generation. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 39. For the promise is for you and your children. What's the promise? The promise of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The promise of prophecy. The promise of visions and dreams. It's for you and the next generation. It's for your kids. Don't let it stop with you. You've got to get this on your children. This is why, again, this is why church is so important. This is why getting kids in the presence of God is so important. This is why raising, we've got to raise our kids for all of our parents in the room. There's not a lot because it's 6 p.m., but we got to raise our kids in prophetic homes, visionary homes, dreaming homes, where we're getting our kids to think bigger and better and stronger. I'm, I'm, I pray with Goldie every night before she goes to sleep, and then after we, we pray our prayers, I say, all right, repeat after me. I am loved. I am loved. I'm going to change the world. I'm going to change the world. People like me. People like me. And I say these things. I'm beautiful. I'm beautiful. I'm gifted. I'm gifted. I'm talented. I'm tal- I can do whatever God's told me I can do. I can do whatever God's told me I can do. And y'all are rolling your eyes, but you know what? I think we would all be better if our parents probably did that for us when we grew up. Because we're going to go out into that world and these kids are getting bullied. They're getting made fun of for everything and anything possible. Everything in the world strips them of their self-confidence and their self-worth. And and for most kids in school, they're either the bully or they're being bullied. And, And kids have to be raised in prophetic homes where things are spoken over them, where blessing is spoken over them, where you can do it. You are gifted. It is possible. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible for those that believe. You got to tell your kids that stuff. You got to speak that into your children. And by the way, you ought to speak that over your own life. Why not? No one else is going to do it. I'd feel weird if I did that. Yeah, you probably would, but it'd probably be good for you. 
You probably couldn't do it without crying. You'd probably wake up tomorrow morning, I'm loved. <laughs> I'm accepted. <laughs> Going to that ugly cry where you can't even get the words out. I can do all things. <laughs> probably be good for you, man. Some of you need to see a little emotional breakthrough. All right. During the grand opening of Disney World in Orlando, Florida, a friend of Lillian Disney, Walt Disney's widow, leaned over to her and whispered, it's such a shame Walt never saw this. To which Lillian responded, he did see it. And that's why we're here. Wow. What are people going to say about your life? I hope people will be able to say that about me. He did see it. He saw it. He saw it in Vegas. He saw it. He saw it for the Chavez last name. He saw it for this region. He saw it. Could that be your testimony? Here's what the Apostle Paul says at the end of his life. At the end of his life, Paul says this in Acts 26, verse 19. Therefore, O King Agrippa, he's talking to a king, and he says this. here's the deal, bro. I know you don't like me preaching the gospel, but I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. God put a word on the inside of me. God gave me a picture of my future. God gave me a dream. God gave me a vision, and I did not disobey that. And that's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for this church, that we would not disobey the heavenly vision God's given us as a people, as a person, as a family, as a community, as a church. That God could trust us with vision and God could trust us with dreams and God could trust us with the impossible and God could trust us with the improbable. And God could trust us with the audacious. What if we could be that group of people? What if we could be believers? What if we could be dreamers? I truly do believe the future belongs to the dreamers. The future belongs to visionaries. The future belongs to the hopeful and the hope-filled. The future belongs to anyone who is ridiculous enough to say, I see something in my future. It don't look anything like what I'm in now, but I'm gonna keep going after it and I'm gonna fight for it and I will not disobey the heavenly vision that God has given me. If that's you, I want you to give God the best praise you've given him all night. If I'm preaching to dreamers tonight, if I'm preaching to visionaries tonight, dream again, dream again, dream again. Make some noise if you believe I'm preaching to you tonight. Come on. You shall prophesy, you shall see visions, and you shall dream dreams in the name of Jesus. I believe it's so. I believe it's so. In Jesus' name. Lift your hands with me all over the room. We have a little more keys, guys, in the house. Let the Holy Spirit minister to you right now. Praise God. Holy Spirit, I pray today that you would give us the ability to prophesy, to speak to our future, to have vision. 
picture for our future and to have dreams and imagination for our future. Holy Spirit, we need you. We do not want to do this with eyesight alone. Lord, release pictures even right now, I pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Dream again. Dream again. Dream again in the name of Jesus. Dream again. Spirit, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit.